With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, Maddie. How are you? Hello, hello. How are you doing, Josh? I am fantastic. I'm getting over a cold. I have a haircut. Uh, getting stuff together for... I took the day off work tomorrow. I'm feeling fantastic. Peter, hi. How are you? Hey, Josh. Hey, Maddie. I am positively giddy uh, for tomorrow. I, I can definitely say that I'm way more excited for opening day this year than I was at this point last year. I don't remember the last time i was this excited for opening it might be like i think i'm the most excited since 2018 when the yankees like the winter the yankees got stanton um and we got that was the same year judge and stanton uh in the same lineup yeah i'm i'm very much looking forward to tomorrow i think tomorrow's gonna be a lot of fun uh so of course uh we have our annual tradition of predictions i i want to just actually quickly start by talking to you two um there is always this like waffling, at least like if you listen to like Effectively Wild or sometimes on The Ringer, like whatever, like people in the business, quote unquote, um, they really don't like making predictions. Do, you, do either of you ever had either of you ever had a problem with making predictions? Oh, my God. No, I love making predictions. It's fun. I, I definitely will say I'm less versed in like the league wide predictions that we make rather than the like division specific or like the Yankees related ones, but it, it's always a fun time. I don't like the people are, I mean, I guess I don't have 80,000 barstool idiots. Well, actually me in my mentions all the time, but like, I don't know, man, what's, what's the worst that can happen. I thought that the Rays would finish third and they ended up finishing second. Like, Oh no. Um, but we always do uh site wide, predictions they're one of my favorite things that we do because i like to see there are things that i think we all agree on and that's not surprising because we all work together and we talk to each other every single day and then there's stuff that we disagree on so i wanted to go through those uh it might just be the three of us because it doesn't look like anyone else is joining which is too damn bad there we go one person joined 
first things first, and 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 we'll go through like the predictions sort of as we go. But I have a question: Do either of you know who Jared Schuster is? Heard the name, don't know who he is. Yeah, think so. Oh, Jared Schuster pitches for the for Atlanta. Huh? How about that? Uh. Yeah, there are a couple. I I find the rookie of the year picks to be the most interesting here that we did. Uh, and Miguel Vargas. I don't think that Miguel Vargas is going to win and a rookie of the year. Jared Schuster. There we go. Left-handed pitcher for Atlanta. Today I learned. So the three of us are all pretty much in sync uh, on the AL East. Um, in fact, we are perfectly in sync uh, on the AL East. We agree, Yankees, Blue Jays, Rays, Orioles, Red Sox. Which of those five do you each feel sort of the least confident in? It's weird because if if they'd had a competent offseason, I would honestly feel a little better about maybe putting the Orioles third above the Rays, but they didn't. So now it's kind of in that pigeonhole situation where like they showed a lot of growth, and they have a lot of talented players that they're nearly ready or perhaps should be ready to play. Um, but they're not at the moment. And the Red Sox definitely weren't that good last year. But And they lost a lot of players. But that team's always so weird. Every time you think that they're in the absolute dumps, they can just randomly turn on a somewhat decent season and go on a run. So... That 4-5 spot is really the tricky one for me there. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, the Orioles, it felt like their window of contention, as it were, they like opened it a year earlier than they intended to. And then I was like, okay, cool. Like Now that it's open, maybe this is the offseason that we see them really start the push to like sort of supplement those youngsters with your proven veterans or even like a top-of-the-rotation starter. And then they didn't do that seemingly content to like push back the real like contending for another year um and so i was like part of me even wanted to put the orioles third and part of me wanted to like with the rays wanted to pick this year as the year that their like stupid rays magic finally wears off but i couldn't like bring myself to do it and so yeah fourth and fifth was a toss-up between the orioles and red sox like you said maddie like the red sox could just do weird things where they play competently for stretches even though the, the you know you wouldn't think so yeah i think that this year is a, is a huge missed opportunity for baltimore um i mean peter you and i have talked about this a lot but um you know you expect that the red sox are going to have a down year the yankees i think the yankees are really good but the yankees probably aren't going to win 99 games again i think you know i'm sort of taking them around like sort of 94 95 wins so, you know, there's four or five more wins that are available. The Red Sox aren't going to be as good. I think that the Rays probably aren't as good. I, I'm not taking them lightly, but I think they're not as good as they were last year. So all of a sudden, plus you get to play the AL Central a lot more. So all of a sudden, there are these wins that are available to the Orioles if they wanted to invest in the team. And they clearly don't. And they clearly have a very warped idea of what, competition is and it's this just this slavish devotion to the long-term plan and i think we give the yankees a lot of grief for being inflexible and and not responding to sort of month to month or year to year changes the way that we would like them to i don't i, I think that this is 
it's not mismanagement for the Orioles because who knows where, where they are four years from now, but I think this is a real missed opportunity for them. And I don't think it's going to blow up in their faces because I do think the Red Sox are are pretty bad and, and the worst team in this division. But, boy, what are we doing? I mean, it's something we always talk about. But what are we doing if we're not trying to win? Moving to the Central. So, Maddie, you're the one. You're the outlier here. Uh, you think that the Twins are the best team in the division. Peter and I both have Cleveland. Uh, sell, us on, sell us on Minnesota. Yeah, I think they're a talented team that went through a lot of injuries last year. And that's true for a lot of contending teams from time to time. But I think the Twins really just bit the bullet a bit hard there. Um, I think Cleveland also played a bit above expectations down the stretch last year. Uh, they're certainly a team that can defend their title. But I overall like what the Twins have done. I thought they won out easily in the trade that they made with the Marlins. I, I can easily see a world where they are they're back on top this year. I was initially tempted to pick the twins, but like I don't know their their rotation worries me just like it worried me last last season when we were doing our predictions. Like, there's definitely a conceivable reality where like Pablo Lopez and Sonny Gray and Joe Ryan and Tyler Maley and Kenta Maeda like are all ass this year with maybe 60% of the rotation missing significant portions of time. And I don't know that they have the depth behind them to like compensate for any of those five going down as it is. And then like on offense, I think, I think losing Arias is going to hurt is really going to be felt by them this year. I think it is interesting. If you look at sort of the, the fan projected standings, um, they're only separated by one win the guardians and the twins and the guardians are actually projected to be worse than the twins, which is interesting. I think that that division is is a dogfight and is really hurt by the fact that they're going to be playing uh, good teams in real divisions a lot more. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I just I'm not going to put it past the Guardians. Admittedly, I did these predictions before Tristan McKenzie was was put on the shelf for another month, and I think that's going to be a huge loss. I love Tristan McKenzie. He's one of my favorite pitchers uh, in the league, and so to not have him at least to start the year in a tough division where two or three wins can be the difference between these teams. I think that that might be, that's the vulnerability for the guardians is just not having uh, that edge. I, I also did my prediction before we learned the McKenzie news and that's going to hurt a lot. I, I too really like McKenzie. There was, I did the write up the season preview write up on the guardians and like his four seamer went from like the worst four seamer in baseball two seasons ago to I think like a top five four seamer. And then that just makes his slider and curveball like all the more disgusting. But the the thing with the Guardians that impressed me is like they kind of they kept all of their impact contributors intact, which is like really easy to do because they're all pre yard players except for J Ram. And then they basically replaced Fran Mil Reyes with Josh Bell, which is a big step up in my opinion. And then like, assuming that he can stay healthy and, like, produce at 2021 20, levels, I think Mike Zanino is also a pretty big upgrade over, I think it was Austin Hedges that they had mm. catching last year. So, and then their their bullpen is is filthy. I mean, it's projected to be the third best bullpen in baseball. And it wouldn't surprise me in the least bit if they end up being the most valuable bullpen in baseball, especially with the, that three-headed monster they have at the end. This is a bit of a spoiler for later on, but I also, I, 
I'm a bit high on Carlos Correa this year. I know the offseason from hell for him, but I really think in an ironic sense, the Twins ended up with a steal getting him back, and I think that's going to work out in their favor. So that is another factor. I definitely agree that getting Carlos Correa for six seasons uh, is the steal, probably the steal of the the winter, I think. Yeah, agreed. NLS, or ALS, excuse me. Peter, why do you continue to believe in the Angels? I, Maddie and I, I think, have this right in that the Angels finished fourth behind Texas. I think Texas takes a step forward this year. I don't know how healthy Jake DeGrom is. I think he's probably like 120, 130 innings, uh, which is a step up from, you know, 90 innings. Decent enough lineup, uh, and and the Angels are more abundant. Some yeah, the Angels. I know. Like, so... To be fair, I did. I when I first filled out the predictions, I had the Rangers third and the Angels fourth. And then yesterday or two days ago, I went in and swapped them, just because like I had one last look at the at the Rangers lineup. And outside of the top three, it's pretty gross. Like I don't know where the runs are coming from from that lineup. If if any of like Seager and and um, uh, what's his name, freaking uh, Simeon, like if they aren't producing. I'm sorry, I don't know how they're scoring runs. And, like, yes, I know they made a massive investment in their starting rotation, but, like, Jacob deGrom could easily pitch 40 innings this year. And then there goes, like, that blows up the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't love the Rangers. I don't think they're a playoff team. But I just, the Angels, the Angels will always just do the most hilarious, like, the most hilarious possible outcome will always be the outcome of the LA Angels. And, like, you had this beautiful buildup of Trout and Otani, in the world baseball classic and it was like oh like they're rivals but then they're going to be teammates and it's Shohei's walk year and like all of that means that they're going to win like 78 games are the angels the rockies of the al no because i think that like i think that somebody in the angels front office has probably watched a baseball game from (laughs) 2021 uh (laughs) i i think i'm not sure that's the case for the Rockies. um but yeah it's just like I just think they're just so, so comically, scriptedly misrun uh, yeah. that I don't, I don't think it happens for them this year. Like you make a fair, fair point, Peter. Like the the Rangers might only get forty innings or whatever out of the ground. Like their big investment might blow up. The Angels will get tremendous production from Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, and it won't matter. Like that's just that's what they do. And following it, up, following up to this, and and continuing our little spoilers, I actually am not sure that they will get incredible production from Shohei Otani, and that's perhaps my my hot take. Very interesting. Uh, uh, yeah, just, if I could just say, like the Angels, just feel like an aggressively eighty-one win team to me, and I can't bring myself to to pick the Rangers to win eighty games this year. Uh, NL East, probably the most interesting division in baseball, I think. I think we are all, we all have different, different outlooks for this, uh, division. Atlanta and New York, they're going to fight it out on top. I, Mets are the Mets. I, I, I think that they, uh, putting a lot of faith in 85 years of right arms at the top of that rotation. Um, and I think that there's some questions to the lineup depth. I'm not sure that uh, you can count on Nimmo and Jeff McNeil and Starling Marte to repeat what they did last year. And I think Lindor is great. I think that um, Alonzo is great, but I just don't know if they can rival that 
the lineup that Atlanta is going to roll out every single day is pretty intimidating. Um, did either of you do your picks with the Phillies? Did you do them before or after Reese Hoskins went down? Before. Uh, I did mine after. Because if you start to look like, yeah, I think Trey Turner is a huge pickup for Philadelphia, but boy, not having Bryce Harper for until what Memorial Day, no Reese Hoskins. There's some downside risk with those fills that I'm I'm not sure is being priced into some of the conversations. Yeah, and like th- this is going to sound kind of weird, but like even losing Gene Segura, like mm. even like three to four wins, he had a pretty he had a pretty big year last year for them, and like. Yeah, I agree with you. Not like Hoskins is a huge loss when when you already don't have Harper. Um, I mean, that's like your two biggest on base threats. You could easily see regression from Schwarber, um, Castellanos. You could easily see repeating his re- results from last year. But I don't know. I like I don't, the Phillies just feel, felt like the easiest the easiest third place team pick of like any of the picks, frankly. Uh, I'm just going to skip over the NL Central because I don't care about them. Um, the Cardinals will win 94 games and be very annoying, and they'll lose in the first round of the playoffs. I don't particularly care. NL West. So I think all three of us pick the Dodgers to not be division champions for just the second time, I think, in the last, what, 12 years. Padres, Dodgers, and then there's some question about, you know, Arizona or or San Francisco. Peter, what what do you like about the Giants? Not much. Um, no, 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 no. I mean, we're talking about, we are talking about the, th- the third place team here. But yes. Right, 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 right. Um, but no, I actually, I think that after having the offseason from hell for them, frankly, missing out on, like, losing Rodone and then missing out on Judge and Correa, like, they did basically as well as they could have done having missed out on those targets. Like, they have, a, they've given themselves a fairly, a decently high floor with their starting rotation, like you look at all five of the starters, that's that's a pretty like that's a pretty legitimate starting five. That like any of those pitchers, like Alex Wood is slotted in as like the fifth starting pitcher. He's probably a number three on a lot of the teams around baseball. Offensively, like there's a there's huge error bars around, like especially around like Conforto. Um, having Tyro Estrada is, <laughs> I'm sorry, but like I never saw Tyro Estrada as a full-time major leaguer when he was with the Yankees. And I think it's kind of crazy that they're penciling him in as their starting second baseman. But yeah, like I said, not much impressed me about them, but I do think that they did what they could to firm up their, their starting rotation. And I do think that will go a long way. Uh, Maddie, is it, I mean, I'm, I'm high on the Diamondbacks because I'm high on the Diamondbacks. Are you high on the Diamondbacks or are you low on the Giants? I think I'm more low on the Giants because I, I just, it's insane to me how much of an outlier their 107 win season ended up being. Yeah, but also it very much felt like a coming back to reality situation where, yes, their core has massively aged. Uh, Buster Posey being gone, um, the kid that they brought up for a catcher. I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the name at the moment, but didn't quite fit in as well as they were hoping for. And then they don't really have the pieces to retool. They really hoping for that to come through from off-season free agency and it didn't come out that way so i see them as more of a not tanking but also not competitive team so looking at sort of the individual stuff now i think we all agree that aaron judge is the best player on this team um i don't think that that's in contention best pitcher on this team 
you know, Garrett Cole had a weird year last year. I feel like he's going to be, I feel like Garrett Cole is, is look at, he looked scary in spring and, you know, you take spring results, obviously spring results are spring results, but, uh, seemed to really hammer in on his fastball a little bit more than he was last year. And the breaking stuff looked a lot better. He looks pissed off, which is my favorite Garrett Cole. Rodon, when he comes back, and then you have the guys in the bullpen. Peter, you have, for the ERA leader for the New York Yankees, Lou Trevino. Yeah, I was I was pretty happy that I was the only one who picked him. I After a brief period of skepticism when he first came over, I really loved what I saw from Lou Trevino. Um, Esteban has written some really good stuff about this. His He's a he's a unicorn in that like a lot of the people that you see throwing sweepers have a sort of like low three quarter arm slot that really facilitates that sort of horizontal sweep. He is like an almost completely over the top delivery that still generates like over a foot of horizontal movement on his sweeper. And it's and like hitters just can't do anything with it. And so I really like the fact that he's now with the Yankees, the team that's basically like brought the term Whirly and Sweeper into the like national baseball consciousness. I I just think that he he could really, assuming that he you know pulls through this injury without any complications, I think he can be a com- real lights out weapon for the Yankees. Maddie, uh, your love for Wandy Peralta is it purely baseball Twitter based, or is there something else there? Because I also love Wandy Peralta, but I just I think. I think Wandy is like the most consistent of the bunch that we consider like the elite relievers that the Yankees have. Like Michael Michael King's probably the upper shelf, like highest ceiling guy that they have. And then Clay Holmes is like the boomer bust. Like he was incredible when he was on and he really kind of flamed out when he wasn't. Peralta's kinda of just there quietly doing his job. And I feel like this kind of season where the bullpen looked to be their immediate strength going in and is already dealing with injuries and is like kind of wishy-washy now. I feel like he's the guy who will just be there all season long dealing. And by the end of it, maybe someone will like have like, like Trevino is going to be coming in late in the year. Maybe he'll just have a run where he gets an incredibly low ERA and then gets shelved again or something like that. But Peralta, I feel like is the guy that'll be there. And if he ends up with the most appearances or whatever, he will put up the numbers. And I also um, think there's I also think there's something to be said for like your sort of tier one A relievers who aren't your highest lever leverage relievers. I think they 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 see their ERA benefit a little bit from maybe not pitching in as high a leverage situation as maybe your Michael Kings or Clay Holmes or Jonathan Lewisigas. So adding to this this question that was just tweeted at us, um how how is the bullpen gonna be deployed, do you think? Is it so I think that Michael King probably does what he did last year where he pitches you don't send Michael King out there to get three outs. You send him to get five, six, seven outs. And I think probably is really effective if you if you sort of schedule not you're not gonna piggyback him, but schedule him to work on when Rodon is going and when Severino is going and guys that you may be a little bit concerned about getting six innings from out of a start. I don't think there's any concern about that with Garrett Cole. Um, and I, I don't think there's that much concern about it with Nestor. But I think with with Sevy, you kind of think, OK, can he go four innings and then, you know, four innings, four and a third, and then King comes in for three innings, two innings, whatever. I think that's probably the way they're going to use him. 
Do you think so, that Clay Holmes ends up as the closer? Jonathan McGuire is the closer. They dispense with the closer. I mean, so we've talked a lot over the last year about sort of this like shifting bullpen doctrine of not having set lanes for guys like your you know your designated setup man, your designated closer, and instead using your he- highest leverage guy for the highest leverage situation in the game, which means like potentially deploying your quote unquote closer in the seventh inning if that's a one, two, three hitters with guys on base. But I think that's where Michael King comes into play. I think he becomes that like versatile weapon that you deploy in that like highest leverage situation that isn't the ninth inning. Like that becomes his lane. And then I think they they still remain pretty rigid with Loizaga as the setup and then Holmes as the closer. That's that's my take. I can definitely see that. I think they haven't truly defined it yet, which is interesting to me. But yeah, I, I envision Holmes starting as the guy that they de facto closer and then getting a loose structure around him. Um, I'm interested to see where Marinaccio ends up being because mm-hmm. he definitely had the the run where he could be one of those guys, but um, didn't ever quite get into like the eighth or ninth inning. Uh, appearance as much so i'm wondering if this is like the build-up year for him to where he could maybe if loiza isn't quite there yet again if he's still a little shaky if maybe marinaccio is that each eighth inning guy marinaccio is my my sort of i don't know if he can really have a breakout year i think last year's probably his breakout year but he's sort of my breakout pick uh for this season at least on the yankees um so time to talk about individual stuff and you know we could talk about individual Yankees in a second, um, but we have to get the elephant out of the room. Both of you picked Shohei Otani to lead the majors in wins above replacement, as well as to be the AL MVP. I did not. I picked Aaron Judge for both of those things. And here is perhaps my flaming hot take. I don't think that Shohei Otani is going to be very good this year. I think that what he does is so mathematically improbable uh, that I think I don't think the stars align. I know they've aligned the last two years. I know how good he is. I know that he's probably the single best baseball player to ever live, certainly the best player that I've ever seen. Um, I just think, you know, if I gave you a dice and I asked you to roll it a, a fair six-sided dice and you rolled it twice in a row and you got a four both times, you wouldn't be like, oh, my God, that's crazy. I got a four both times. But it, it is so mathematically unlikely that you would get a four both times that you would not bet on getting a four the third time. It would not be the smart wager. And that's where I think we are with Shohei Otani, where, yes, the Stars have aligned the last two seasons. He is so supremely talented. I am just aware of the mathematical odds against him doing this a third time. And so I think that the odds that he has an MVP caliber season again, whether it be health or whatever else, because we know how talented he is, I just don't see it this year. And and I I will likely be wrong because we've seen how good he is the last two years, but I just, the math on it scares me. So my take with Otani is that he has had an incredible past couple of years. Um, I think there's a bit of conflation with what he does in that it's so unique and so basically unprecedented in baseball that there's kind of this push to be like, oh, well, if he's the best overall player, 
must also be like the best pitcher or the best hitter. And I don't think that's ever been the case. I think maybe the year where he won over Vlad, you could argue that he was the best hitter. Um, but Vladimir probably was mathematically a little better. And then the pitching numbers were what put him over the top. Um, and then last year, it was close. Like he was overall a two to three range of the best pitcher and then also an elite hitter. I don't think he'll ever, or not ever, but he, it, it's very difficult for him to actually produce the best hitting season or the best pitching season on top of doing the other thing. Um, but the baseball writers have this enamoring with that that kind of puts him over the top and would take an incredible season like what Judge did, a historic season, to top that, especially since he did win last year. Yeah, I agree with that aspect of it. I think because of the unicorn things that Shohei does, it it would absolutely take another historic season by somebody to to match or surpass Shohei in the eyes of the MVP voters. In terms of war... Unless he, I, unless he doesn't have a unicorn season, which is the point that I'm making. Well, okay, so what I'm saying... So what, what I would... I think... How I would respond to that is that I don't think that it... I think with your with your roll of the dice, I don't. I think it's a loaded die because because of his ability. I think that it that's what tips it to being more predestined to land on a four. I mean, we talk about last year for him in a year that by his standards was a down hitting year. He still produced nine and a half wins because he took such a big step forward pitching wise. And in, and and this year, I think it's a reasonable expectation to think that he could take a similar size step forward on the pitching side, just because of the some of the growth in his repertoire. Like you, you look at his slider; he's added even more sweep to his slider. He's added he's added a sinker with a foot and a half of run at ninety eight miles an hour. Like he's constantly tweaking and improving and honing his his repertoire. And I I really think I if he had a, a six win season just pitching this year, I absolutely would not be surprised. And then you can, you can basically pencil him in for whatever three wins on offense. It's like, that's not even a unicorn season by his standards. Unless and, his arm blows up. And well, yeah. I mean, you could say that. Yes. Yes. In Injury arm. is the main factor. I think even if, if you call him a top 10 hitter and pitcher, but only limit him to like, if he only is like the six to 10th best in both categories, I feel like that's still enough for the voter base to do it because there hasn't been that fatigue yet. That's my take. As long as like he, as long as he does play out the season and plays up to that expectation, I think it's his. Uh, if injuries happen, then yeah, that's going to be a lot harder to sell. Especially because then you wonder about like, well, if he's shelved for a month, how many innings does he get to throw once he is back? Like he can get right back to hitting probably, but like pitching is a whole different ball game. That's a whole discussion to be had and that's what i'm betting against i'm betting against him being able to throw 140 innings and get 500 plate appearances this year i don't think that that's what happens it's not that his performance is going to drop off it's that i don't think he can physically do it again could be wrong and and certainly i'm betting against the market i know that but i just i don't i don't see it this year for you shohei sorry the same way the same way by the way that i don't see him getting a 12-year, $600 million contract, I see him getting $60 million a year for four years, which is a different contract. Yeah, I think you're onto something there. I also think that he's going to get a shorter-term a shorter high AAV contract. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. So do we want to talk about what team's going to suck? Um, the A's are going to be terrible. The Rockies are going to be terrible. The Nationals are going to be terrible. Um, yeah, who did I pick? Oh, I picked the Rockies. Oh, those poor guys. Um, just so directionless. I think the Nationals, at least, you can kind of squint and see, like, there's some young talent there that is reasonably interesting. Uh, but those Rockies, boy, howdy. Uh, yeah. The the discussion around whenever we make our picks for, like, whoever team loses the most, and especially whichever manager gets fired, I always have to actually, like, go in and see what some of these managers are because, like, I feel like there's such, like, non-waves around when they get hired because these teams just churn out guys at this point. And I'm like, who even is on the hot seat? You know, like, this team is expected to be a 90-95 loss team. Is that going to be fireable? I don't know. Does I Dick Monfort know who the manager of the Rockies is? I'm going to say no. <laughs> He's probably tried to fire Bud Black like three different times and just doesn't know who he is. I think you're onto something, though, Maddie. I think that, like, when whenever we do the first manager fired predictions, like, I think you have to look at what the expectations for the team are. Like, if a team is expected, like the Nationals, for example, if a team is expected to lose over 100 games, then... I don't think the manager can ever be on the hot seat in that situation, which is why I picked Phil Nevin. Like, at least the Angels internally have some expectation of making the playoffs this year. So I feel like you have to weigh. It's not just how poorly the team behaves. It's how poor uh, performs. It's how poorly they perform in relation to the expectations set on them. Uh, award season. So we talked about MVP. You guys know why I, why I don't think the show here will win MVP. Uh, looking at the American League, I think that the Yankees, and we're going to talk more about Anthony Volpe in depth, sort of in the second half of this. Um, I think that him being promoted makes the AL Rookie of the Year race so fascinating to me. Because I, I do think that Gunnar Henderson is the favorite. I do think that Gunnar Henderson is going to win. Um, but you have Gunnar, Volpe, uh, Yoshida in Boston depending on what the Orioles end up doing with Grayson Rodriguez, it feels like they're kind of jerking him around. Uh, no surprise with that organization. You know, so right now I have in front of me, you know, the DraftKings uh, betting odds for Rookie of the Year. Henderson, Yoshida, Volpe are sort of your top three. Then you have Tristan Cassis in Boston. Uh, Royce Lewis might, you know, this might finally be the year that we see what he can do. Josh Young in Texas. I'm, I'm soft on him, but a guy that could really take a step forward. This feels like, you know, in the AL, we haven't had a really great rookie of the year race. Uh, 
you know, we had a really good since last year. We had well, we had two last year. We had Julio and and Rutschman, and that was great. But it just feels like a much deeper field than we've had in a while. Yeah, yeah I agree. That's, that's definitely a benefit to the changing of the rules. Teams actually benefiting off of starting their top prospects out the gate, and that gives us a better field and a better long season race rather than comparing like maybe 100 and 120 game sample size you know depending on when a guy actually gets called up there are guys who are jumping out of the gate now and they're making it really interesting and you know that the field's only going to expand at this point yeah and also my gut feeling so i wanted to pick gunner henderson because i i do think he probably will end up winning rookie of the year but part, part of it was just me trying to manifest anthony volpe winning rookie of the year but like Part of me, part of my gut says that the Yankees would not have promoted him for opening day unless they felt pretty, he like he had a pretty good shot of of winning Rookie of the Year or at least placing in the top two finishes to get them that extra draft choice. Um, I think, and again, we'll, we can talk more about Volpe later. I think that the Yankees were quite content to manipulate his service time before Aaron Judge said, uh, "I want him on the team." That's my my prediction, my my take. Um, Cy Young Award winner. Uh, so Maddie and I both on the Christian Javier hype train. I hate so much that Christian Javier is a Houston Astro because I think he it's is painful. just he is goddamn dynamite. He is so much fun to watch. I think I was talking to Peter about this last night. If as long as Houston gives him a full starters workload, which I think that they will, because there's some there's some crack showing in the Astros. I think um, I think he's just going to dominate the American League this year. I think he's so good. Um, Peter, Dylan Cease. Why do you love Dylan Cease? Um, I don't. I was just being contrarian. I wanted to pick someone that nobody else picked. <laughs> I really wanted to pick Christian Javier. But, yeah, I just wanted... On the off chance that he did did win it, I wanted that. I wanted to be the lone person to get those points. Safe picks. Safe picks don't win the, don't win the prediction game. As a, as a three-time winner, I can attest to that. Uh, we talked about MVP... Um, bold choice of some of our writers to pick Jordan. I don't think that Jordan. Uh, I think he's a great hitter. I don't think that he'll be uh, winning the MVP this year. Though, moving to the National League. Uh, so again, we have a really deep field of rookies. Uh, again, to this point about the addition of the compensation uh, having an effect. Corbin Carroll is is dynamite. Um, I picked Jordan Walker, and I was the only one of the three of us to not pick Corbin Carroll. Um, I know why Corbin Carroll is really good. He's very, very good. The reason why I think Jordan Walker, and I don't think that Jordan Walker is that much of a dark horse pick. Everyone pretty much has him as like the runner up this year. Uh, I just think the power potential for rookies is something that really intrigues people. We saw this with judge and we saw this with Pete Alonzo uh, when he was a rookie that like, if you can hit uh, and, and quite frankly, even like, Julio last year obviously didn't have a 50 home run season, but I think when you're able to come up and, and show off raw power that way, I think that's very intriguing uh, for, for voters and for media members. And I think that Jordan Walker is more likely to have a 45, 48 home run rookie season than Corbin Carroll is. Um, even if I think Carroll is probably a better player over his career, I just think Walker has that power display that can really take over a race. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to pick Walker for that exact reason, but um, it seems to me that voters for a lot of the different awards have been taking 
some of the modern metrics and especially war more into consideration over the last few years. And sure. like you look at you look at Carroll's numbers from last season in 32 games, he, he was worth one and a half wins. So like obviously it doesn't work this way. But if you prorate that to a full season, like you're t- you're looking at a six a six win player who could potentially steal 50 bases. And I think that that could that would be a really enticing pick for for a lot of the voters. Absolutely. And I mean, I wasn't, like I said, I'm not super high on the Diamondbacks as compared to Josh, but I think Carroll is absolutely the gem of that core coming up. And he can he can definitely get them closer to contention if he continues the pace that he played on towards the end of last year. National League Cy Young Award. Um, I think this is probably the thing that we, as a staff, we most disagreed on. Um, I love Spencer Strider. I, I think that he's going to be the he's going to be what Sandy was last year. Uh, Maddie, you picked Aaron Nola. Hard to go wrong with that pick, especially in a walk year. Peter, you're counting on a repeat from Sandy. Uh, both of you, why? Why do you love him so much? Peter, I know why you love Aaron Nola. I'm not asking you that. I'm asking why you love Sandy. So... Um, part of it is that I think Aaron Nola is going to take a, a small step back this year, but, um, Sandy, like, I think it's, I think it's so valuable that someone can give you, you can pencil them in for 200 plus innings, maybe even 225 innings. I think it's just, I think voters value that, that sort yeah. of workhorse role. Um, and it just gives you a greater opportunity to accrue more value. The thing about Sandy is that the one knock against him last year was that he didn't have a ton of swing and miss in his game. He was right at league average in terms of whiff rate. And from the early returns of what I've been reading this spring, he has added a ton of whiff potential to his two off-speed pitches, to the changeup and to the, to the slider. And I think we could see a, a big boost in his strikeout numbers this year. And if you combine that with, with the workhorse workload that he projects for, I think that's going to that's gonna be a big season. Yeah, you say Nola probably take a bit of a step back. I feel the opposite way. I feel like, even though it wasn't a terrible year for him, uh, I feel like his 2021 is going to look more like a blip on the radar when you look at his overall body of work, and I think that's going to continue this year. So that's why I picked them. Peter, how sad are you going to be when Aaron Nola announces a seven-year extension with the Phillies? I'm going to be devastated. My, another yeah. white whale not coming to the Yankees. Um, and then NL MVP... Uh, Maddie has Manny uh, finally getting it. I feel like Manny might end up going down in history as like one of the three or four best players to never win MVP, actually. Uh, Peter and I both have Juan Soto. Um, straightforward, I think he's the second best pure hitter that I've ever seen play. And I think that he will be better than he was in you know the 70 games he played with the Padres last year. I think that he is Juan Soto. Yeah, and I think I I wonder how much the psychology of of being brought in as like the guy to push them over the edge now you know when Tatis was not available last year maybe he put a little extra pressure on himself and I think he can play he can really play free and and enjoy his baseball this year and of course Tatis coming back is going to give him like even more protection in the lineup and I I just think he's going to be back to the 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 Juan Soto that we know and love. Yeah, it's absolutely fair. I mean, you would never catch me saying Juan Soto doesn't have a great chance to be MVP or anything like that, but I feel like him and Mookie Betts are these two players who both just have 
such longevity at the top that like you can make the argument for them any single year and they'll they'll have these lofty careers but right now we're we're in like a peak era for Manny Machado and I feel like this is like this three to four year window is his time to do it and I feel like he came so close last year I think he's going to get over the edge this year I think the the maturation of Manny Machado is a book that I would very much enjoy reading one day the way that he was I think quite fairly sort of regarded as a, a guy with a pretty big attitude problem um in in Baltimore, uh, obviously with playing pretty rough style of baseball, uh, pretty chesty, and you know since he, then he went to the Dodgers, and then since he's went to San Diego, and and he is the captain of that team, a team with a lot of stars and a lot of personalities. That is Manny Machado's team, and I think that the book on his maturity uh, would would be a fascinating read for me. Yeah, I'd love to read that book. And I agree with you. He's fully taken on the mantle as the leader of that team. And, and people on that team, even superstars, like look up to him as the leader of the team. Uh, so, Maddie, you picked the uh, Yankees and the Padres, a rematch of 1998. Uh, actually, I think we all picked we all picked the Padres to win the NL. Um, Peter and I both... Uh, Yes. have Houston over San Diego. What What is it about the Yankees this year that gets them past the Astros, in your mind? I think it, it comes down a lot to what they can prove this regular season, just how impactful Volpe could be to this lineup, add that bit of depth that they were sorely, sorely lacking last postseason, um, as well as just a couple of other like introductions of you know getting more consistent playing time for Cabrera and getting a healthy season out of LeMahieu, uh, it really I think that really drastically changed the outcome of what that postseason was was going to be when he took that month and just could not could not hit a baseball anymore and then had to get shut down for the postseason. Um, I, I think the lineup just looks so much worse than it could have been but we were so bogged down by the overall slide of the team in the second half that it felt fitting in a way. And I think the lineup can take a massive step forward this year overall. And then also, obviously, the addition that they made with Rodon, that true one-two punch that they're hoping for, I feel like that can come together. I think that there's also, I mean, I, I teased it before, I do think that there is some more downside risks. Similar, a similar situation with the Dodgers, although... Houston plays an easier division. I think there's a little bit more downside risk on the Astros this year. I think that their pitching is deceptively thin. Once you get past the five guys that are in the major league rotation, there's not a lot of cavalry in, in the upper levels of the minors. Mm, I, think the lineup, I might disagree with that. I like, mean, I think, I think you could easily, you, you could easily plug in a Forrest Whitley or a Lance McCullers if, and when he returns from injury. And, and all of a sudden you've got a seven, you got seven men for five roles. Like seven I do not men. believe that you could plug Forrest Whitley into a major league rotation. Not the Astros. No, you couldn't. Go. They might not, I, but I, th- I, think, I, I, I think you need to look. I think you need to look at how bad Forrest Whitley has been uh, the last sort of sixteen months. He has been. I'm just now seeing that he's stinky. been absolute ass. He has been so stinky. So. Strike that from the tape. <laughs> I agree with you on on Les McCullers. I think I think when Les McCullers comes back, I think he's quite good if he can stay healthy. But uh, but this is what I mean. Is like 
you start taking a chunk, and like we say with everybody, anyone's elbow can explode at any time. Uh, if if the Astros were in the position the Yankees are in right now, I don't think that they have a Clark Schmidt. I'm actually feeling pretty confident about Clark Schmidt in the Yankees rotation as a fill-in. I don't think that the Astros have that. And Framber is great. Javier is great, obviously. But I think that 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 the depth is is not quite what we would expect for a team that we talk about the way that we talk about the Astros. So furthering this to Maddie's point, I think Volpe, Cabrera, Rodon, big plus, and, and, and LeMahieu, big pluses for the Yankees. I also think that it's there's potentially more cracks. Not that Houston is not very good because they are, but potentially more cracks in the Astros than we've seen uh, in, in, in previous seasons. But I still picked them to win the World Series. So like, talking out of my ass so go figure yeah yeah and i think those cracks uh become more apparent when you know in the regular season when they don't win 106 games because they're not going to win 106 games like they'll be like you know 93 94 wins i think but i i you know it's one of those see it you know until i see it i don't trust that the yankees can get past the astros in the in the playoffs um so i want to talk about volpe i want to talk about the lineup tomorrow but first vince uh go ahead what's up Hey guys, how are you? Happy uh, opening day, Eve. Um, yeah, I, I got. I, I think somebody just touched upon it. I I hope I'm wrong, um, but I, they, to me, they haven't not done enough on paper that you can arguably say that you know they're gonna scoot past the Astros. I mean, you know, the addition of Volpe is great. Um, you know, I, I think that Rendon coming in is great. A healthy DJ is great. Um, there's still massive holes in this lineup. Um, you know, one of the reasons why we couldn't get past the, the Astros last year was was runs. I mean, we scored, you know, four runs over the first three games. And if uh, you know, we faced McCullers in game four and kind of hit him a little bit. But if we would have faced Javier Valdez, I don't I don't know if we'd have the same, you know, at bats. Um, you know, we like Trevino. He's still he's a solid hitter, but he had one good year so far. You know, we don't know if he's going to follow that up. Still massive holes, I think, at, at third base and, and left field with Donaldson and Hicks. I mean, you know, he's got a new stance, and Hicks did well in spring training. But, um, you know, that's still, that's still a hole. And then I think injuries, you know, also comes back to some always bite the Yankees every single season. So, you know, we're already behind the eight ball on our pitching staff. Bader is out as well already. So, um, you know, I, I'm not – I hope we're always wrong. Um, and I think that, you know, the, the division's getting better. I mean, uh, you know, Baltimore, who kind of was the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the bottom of the division for as, as long as, um, you know, before when Showalter and Zach Britton was there. You know, that team did well last year. They're only getting better. Grace Rodriguez will be up at some point this year. They have power coming from, you know, every different angle uh, in the minors. Um, you know, Boston, I think, took a step back. Um, but they're going to still always play us hard. Toronto coming back, Tampa coming back as well. So, uh, you know, it's I don't think I call again. We're all Yankee fans. We're all hoping that we win the World Series every year. I just I'm fearful on paper, you know, that we just did not do enough to really put us in in that better position. So, first of all, I think this is a, a, a an issue that baseball fans who I think maybe follow other sports and, and bring it into their analysis of baseball. I think that you run a real risk when you talk about like, are they good enough to get past X team? Because there's a lot that can happen that the Yankees never play the Astros in the playoffs. And so are they better than the Astros? I don't know. We're going to find out. we got 160 games to find out. The Astros might get bounced in the first round because Shane McClanahan and uh, Peter, who the hell else is in that rotation? I hate that team. 
I, th- I think Blasno's back, right? Yeah, because because especially in, in, with the way that the playoffs work now, McClanahan and Glasnow just go off for two starts, and they go up 2 nothing going back to Tampa, and they only need to win one more game. And then Houston's out, and, and we're all sitting around saying Houston's so good. Tampa's got two great pitchers and 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 decent enough lineup firepower that in three games anything can happen. So I think I think you don't you don't look at yourself and you say, did we do enough to beat the Astros? Because you might not need to beat the Astros. You might need to beat the Blue Jays. You might need to beat the Rays. God forbid you might need to beat the Guardians again. I think I think that the lineup is much better this year than it was last year. I think that people who are saying they didn't make enough changes to the lineup, I, I very much disagree. You get DJ back. And he's healthy. Yes, is Aaron Judge going to have eleven and a half win season? No, he's not. But he's still, I think, he's still the best player in baseball outside of Shohei Otani. I think that Anthony Vol, I think that Anthony Volpe is a game changer for this lineup. Anthony Volpe and and to a lesser extent Cabrera, because if you look at what the problem with the Yankees lineup has been for the past really like three seasons, is they've had this incredible top end talent in Judge and LeMayhew, and we can stick Rizzo in there because I think he's going to have a strong season. But once you get to, like, the sixth spot in the order, it becomes very easy to pitch against. Having a healthy LeMayhew, having Volpe, having Oswaldo Cabrera, who is, I think, going to play more than Aaron Hicks. I think if you put together a bet on who's going to have more plate appearances this year, I think that Cabrera will definitely have more than Aaron Hicks. The Yankees tried to hide Aaron Hicks and then half their outfield died, and they had to put him out in the outfield. So all of a sudden, you start putting guys who are 110, 115 WRC plus in the six, seven, eight spots in the order. Yeah, I don't think that Jose Trevino is going to be that good of a hitter, but you stick him at nine, I don't care. Um, so I actually think that the lineup is a lot better than people are panicking about. I think if there's, I think that the threat to this team is you've built this top end rotation and boy, did did the rotation disappear really quick when Frankie Montas is gone for the season and Rodon got hurt and Sebi got hurt. I think that that's... I'm more concerned about the rotation staying together for a full season than I am about the lineup producing. I don't know. How do you two think? I, I just... I, yeah, I, I totally understand what you're saying. I just... You know, the, our, our problem the past couple years... And I, and I get what you're saying about comparing with the Astros, just that the Astros have been, you know, you're supposed to compare it with no matter what sport, you compare it with whoever's on top. I mean, you know, you always just assume that that team, no matter if it's baseball, football, basketball, whatever, that team that won the year before, the team that's been dominant over the past couple of years, that's your standard. So, um, and I don't think it's wrong to say that, yeah, something could happen. The Astros can get knocked out. But if, you know, you're talking about who is the standard, it's the Astros. It's just the Yankees – they their struggles the past couple of years have been the offense. Um, there have been guys that you know the offense batting under 300. Their offense that you know can't move the runner over. The offense that you know can't get situational hitting. The offense that um, you know is a boomer bust, to strike out or or a home run. So um, you know I, I'm yes, obviously you know didn't think Clark Schmidt was going to make the team or the roster or the starting rotation, and now he's starting game two. Um, I still, you know, I still have, I have faith in Matt Blake. Uh, what he's done with that rotation, I think is, has been wonders. I have faith in the bullpen getting, uh, you know, even though we're a little bit banged up there too, um, getting a guy like the Wiseca, Marinaccio, 
Um, you know, those guys, uh, Michael King back, I think is huge, especially in like the middle of the game. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm still until the Yankees prove me wrong, I'm still going to always question the rotation if they could do the little things that, you know, that they haven't been able to do. But that's just me. Yeah, I mean, the it's fair to say compared to the standard, especially when the Astros have been in the ALCS for like, what, five consecutive, six consecutive years, something like that. They, they've been there each and every time that we're talking about this discussion. Um but like Josh said, I, I do think that the lineup is so much deeper and there's more depth even when like an injury or two occurs, like we're already talking about Bader being out at the moment, but like I think they're still in a very capable place with the offense. Um and Isaiah kind of for not being a starter right out the gate is automatically an improvement. Um the infield even with Donaldson, I'm very confident in. The rotation is the scary part at the moment. And it's it's concerning that just how much depth they've lost out of the gate. But as long as the Radon injury is relatively minor and he's back, uh, I'm very confident in this team. I really am. Peter, where are you in this? You've been quiet. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you guys are you guys are changing my mind a little bit because I do agree that when you really look at a healthy DJ and a Volpe replacing IKF, like it is such a deeper lineup than it was, and also like. Um, I think it was either Alex or Esteban that wrote about this. When you have a lineup with a bunch of really similar swing planes, especially all same-handed batters, it it allows the pitcher a chance to like really repeat his mechanics and really get into a groove with with his command and execution of pitches. And I think when you bring in a, a DJ, a healthy DJ, when you bring in an Anthony Volpe, that that and when you bring in a switch hitting. Oswaldo that really does present opposition pitchers a much more varied look and they can't just sort of fall into this lane of how to pitch to pitch to an entire lineup. So to that point, I do think I do think that this this iteration of the Yankees lineup has a much better chance against a, a prospective Astros opponent in the ALCS. I, I I am penciling the Astros in to make the ALCS just because a little bit like the Rays, they just seem to have this like devil magic that even when they, it seems like they're losing big pieces, they just retool in season and 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 dominate. So I want to talk um, specifically about Anthony Volpe for about ten minutes. Uh, we went a little bit longer on those predictions than I thought we would. Um, this is the most exciting opening day promotion for a Yankee since. I don't know. I suck at Yankee history. Who was the last guy? Judge came up mid-season. Gary came up mid-season. Who, who was Torres the last guy to do this? came up not opening day, but like it's close, uh, I'd say. Yeah, sure. Maybe um, Cano? Yeah, like I said, I suck at Yankee history. Someone who's better at Yankee history, tell me about it. Yeah, we'll get to it later. Um, he's going to bat ninth tomorrow. I think Boone's already said that. Um, he's going to be the shortstop. He's not up here to play second base realistically what is what are your expectations for him so uh fangraphs projects him to be 104 wrc plus hitter over the course of the season i gotta figure he's better than that i don't think he's gonna win an mvp this season but i think he's better than 104 yeah i'd say like 115 120 somewhere around there probably yeah i agree i think roughly a league average defense and maybe an offensive season like glaber's rookie year so we're talking that's that's a four-win player, Peter. At shortstop. 
I think honestly, depending on whether he comes out of the gate hot, like he has been in spring, there's a legitimate chance where we could be talking about him, like maybe not making it, but being like a snub for the all-star game or like a reserve player or something like that. Like, I think that that's like borderline goal for like what his first season really could be. So Jeter didn't move into the leadoff spot until uh, August of 1996. Um, and then, you know, he really took off for the postseason and the rest is history. Volpe's going to bat ninth tomorrow. Um, you know, assuming that he has this 115-120 WC plus season, which is probably right around where I think he would be too. Um, when do you think the Yankees, who are still, I mean, yes, they've, they've promoted Volpe. I think took some of us by surprise, but are still a pretty conservative organization. Uh, when do you start thinking about him as, as sort of an impact middle of the order, top of the order kind of hitter versus right now it's, hey, kid, come in, get your feet wet, get used to the majors, uh, hit ninth and, and don't bother anybody kind of thing. Hmm, maybe like, well, it's interesting because with uh, in, in, in 18, they kept Andujar and Glaber at eight and nine pretty much all season, although that was more, a, that was more because they just had a bunch of like good hitters ahead of them in the lineup. But I... I don't know, maybe maybe mid-May if he's like really producing, maybe you move him up into like this five or six. I can see it because like obviously you want Judge in the two hole. Um either Bader or LeMahieu leading off. Um Rizzo and Stanton somewhere in the upper half of the order. Um I don't think Volby's gonna move any of those guys, but I can definitely see him being in that yeah, that five or six, probably the sixth slot. Um if he establishes himself around there, Mayor Jim. So we've talked a lot about upside and there's definitely like, I think there's a lot of upside to this team. I think that this is a very good baseball team. I think this is a team that's going to win the division. Outside of the rotation, we kind of highlighted those, those who, who, who's going to disappoint you this season. And remember that disappointment is relative to expectations. So it's, it's not who's going to be the worst, but it's going to be who disappoints you this year. Maddie. Oh, geez. Um, I think there's a decent chance among the guys that I'm expecting to do well that Rizzo takes a step back. I think he would be my choice. Um, and that has as much to do with injury. I mean, we know he's probably going to be due for an IL stint with his back at least like for a couple weeks up to a month. But um, do I see him being second on the team in home runs? Probably not this year. Yeah. And then for me, it's probably either DJ or, or Stanton just if they if they get injured for a, a significant stretch. Yeah, I think it's going to be Stanton. I think that that I think that his lower half is a mess, uh, medically a mess, and uh, I'm not I'm not feeling great about his performance this year. I think that he's a guy that could find himself hitting sixth or seventh in the order pretty quickly, especially if if Donaldson swing is real uh and Rizzo stays hitting the way he did last year uh Stanton I I, I think Stanton will disappoint us this season but that's just me uh okay Broadway Joel we're gonna give you one more chance uh go ahead hey how's it going uh as far as disappointment I'm gonna go Luis Severino uh I trust him as a pitcher I don't trust his body, so 
I, I don't think he's going to pitch much this year. It's year after year. He gets hurt. He, he, he shows. Then he comes back and he's, we're like, oh, we got Luis Severino. He looks just like how he did before. And it's like, no, no, he's hurt again. And he's out for two, three months. And it's never, these injuries are never, you know, 10 day IL stints. It's always like, oh, he's out for two, three months. And, and it's like when it's not one thing, it's the other. Uh, I honestly think that he's probably better suited for uh, for the bullpen. I would love to see him, you know, maybe close out games. I I, I think everybody in here we we like Severino as a pitcher. I don't. I've never heard somebody complain about him as a pitcher when he's healthy. The problem is he's never healthy. So I, as far as who I think is going to be mo- the most disappointing, I'm gonna go Luis Severino. Luis Severino cannot disappoint me because I have no expectations or faith in Luis Severino. And I've had that policy since winter of 2021. And I recommend that you all follow that policy because it works great. Don't believe in him. Uh, he's very, very good. I don't believe okay. him. So. That's that's very fair, but also it feels like a tradition at this point of the midseason deadline acquisition, Luis Severino. And so in that way, he can still disappoint me, even though I have no faith in him. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm more curious as to what's gonna happen at second base, man. I I don't like that. You know, it's it's kind of like a revolving door with 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 Torres and DJ Lemayhew. I I think a lot of that. I don't know if that played into why Lemayhew wasn't as good as he usually is, but uh, not having a consistent position, it, it, I would assume it is somewhat bothersome. So I, I actually don't think that that's a big deal for DJ because DJ has always played multiple positions. Even going back to going back to the Cubs, he played multiple positions and was brought in here originally, you know, ahead of 2019 to play multiple positions, to play a different position every single day. I think that second base is Glaber Torres. I think that the Yankees have shown enough faith in Glaber Torres. It's his position until he's going to be the starter. I think that DJ and Rizzo bounce off of each other at first. I think that Josh Donaldson has a very short leash at third base. If this new swing is real, then he sees a lot of time at third. If this new swing is not real, or he is just in general wet ass again, then I think DJ becomes I think DJ becomes the everyday third baseman and then spells Glaber when he needs a day off. And if they're real about uh putting Stanton in right field, then I think DJ will, will DH quite a bit. If this were, I think that some guys definitely need to be playing the same position every single day. I think that Gleyber Torres needs to be playing the same position every single day. But I think for DJ specifically, he came in and he has always been a guy that you're at first base today, then you're at second base tomorrow, and then on Friday you're going to be at third. I think that's just, he's been brought up that way ever since he was in the minors, since he was playing with the Cubs. So I wouldn't worry about it for DJ. If they start moving Glaber around like this, uh, I, I think that may, I think that moving Hicks between center and left has affected him. Uh, but I, I wouldn't worry about it for DJ. I don't know. What do you two think? No, I definitely agree with you, Josh. I'm not at all worried about DJ getting reps because he's gotten over 500 plate appearances in each of the last three full seasons without being like a penciled-in starter at a designated spot. And he... I mean, he fielded over 250 innings at each of first, second, and third last year. Like, he's going to get his playing time. It's just it's just the way that the Yankees handle their business. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not at, I'm not at all worried about um, DJ not, not getting playing time. 
Yeah, same. And even um, the concern about, like, well, maybe if he's somewhat limited in one game, maybe he can't, like, play third the series or whatever reason you have. Like, that concern gets alleviated by Cabrera's inclusion on the roster. And so, like, I, I just don't really see much of a worry with it. So I'll uh, finish up with, uh, because I've got to eat something and I've got to get some writing done. Um, tomorrow, Yankees, Giants, 105 on the East Coast, uh, Logan Webb, Garrett Cole. Uh, give me a prediction for the final score and predict Volpe's line and Cole's line. Cole goes six and a third. Uh, gives up a couple solo shots, but the Yankees win like five to two or something like that. Uh, Volpe gets his first hit. Probably just a single. Uh, more to come later. Wow, that's that's literally exactly, basically exactly what I was going to predict. Yeah, I think Cole's going to go like six and two-thirds, give up two runs on two solo shots. I also had that too, with like nine strikeouts. Um, Volpe will be one for three with a single and a walk and a stolen base. Um, and the Yankees will win 6-2 with Stanton going hitting a three-run home run in the fifth. Garrett Cole throws a perfect game, and Anthony Volpe goes 0 for 3 with two walks. I'll, I'll take that. Prediction. You don't that. win the prediction game by making safe picks. Baseball um, back wait. tomorrow. Go ahead. Wait, before, can we just blame some of the picks that people made? I don't want to blame my staff members. That's, <laughs> I'm a, I, I think of myself as a leader on staff, even though, good Lord, never give me editorial authority because I wouldn't <laughs> use it. Um, I do – look. I'm I, I we're not gonna name names. I I don't think that the White Sox are gonna win the Central. I I they are a Fugazi and they have been a Fugazi for many years. Uh, I I don't think that they win the Central as bad as the Central is. I do not think that Texas wins the AL West. <laughs> That's is, the one I had my eye on. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's in the cards. Um, There's a couple people. That- Editor to editor, I'm going to flame Jake for picking the Angels second. That's a wild take. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, hope springs eternal, I suppose. Um, any other, like, truly wild takes in here? Uh, I mean, uh, I'm not someone gonna... hit the Rays winning the AL East. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, and then somebody Oswaldo had... Cabrera leading the team in Ab... You know what? I could actually... You know what, John? And, and John, I'm not going to drag you for this one. John... That is a bold take. I don't think that that's a bad take. I think it could happen. I don't think it will, but I think it could. Yeah. Oh, and the last one was, uh, yeah. Someone had someone had a starting pitcher as the team's ERA leader, and and that's just um, that's tough. That's tough to do. Uh, well, the, I'd be here for it. It was Rodon, and I if Rodon ends up leading the team in ERA, something has either gone terrifically well or. Terrible. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, enjoy baseball, everybody. It's back. Um, I I don't know what anyone else is doing tomorrow. I had a bunch of time off that I had to use before the end of fiscal, so I took the day off, and uh, I'm going to be sitting in front of my television for 12 and a half straight hours tomorrow, and I am so excited. Uh, baseball is back. We will be grumbling about the Yankees in August when they go 15 and 20 and we don't think they did enough at the deadline. That's going to happen. That's coming. So enjoy enjoy baseball while we have it. Anthony Volpe is a Yankee. Garrett Cole is going to be on the hill tomorrow. Uh, you can't really beat that. Absolutely.
Maddie, Peter, thank you so much, as always. Thanks for having me. Go Yankees. Thank you, guys. Have a good one.